ladies and gentlemen, um, welcome to one of my famous and uh, well-known podcasts. Um, and today I'm absolutely honored to have my first guest outside the office, not just outside the office, but outside the UAE, outside the Middle East, and all the way in the United States of America. Nick Bogas, welcome to my podcast, The Arena. We love you very much, and thank you for finding the time to, um, to speak to me. Thank you so much, Nick. You're welcome. I'm honored to be here. Thanks for having me as your first guest. Thank you. No, first guest abroad. First guest abroad. Very. Yeah, very I had about 50 odd here, you know. Sure. And I love you most because you, you're not going to cost me much because they always come here and drink me dry. So over there, <laughs> I'm not buying any drinks or biscuits or nuts or anything like that. So thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Nick, um, I love your story, uh, but my audience don't know... Um, I know you have the most amazing, successful chain of pizzerias, pizza shops. And also, uh, I want to know where you're an entrepreneur. You're an author and uh, you inspire quite a lot of people. So please tell me where you were born. Please tell me if you were always an entrepreneur. How did you get into this business? Share it with us. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which is on the east coast of the United States probably about um, five hours from Philadelphia, um, and also about maybe six or seven hours from New York City, just to give everybody an idea uh, where in the United States. And I grew up with a middle-class family. I never had um, any needs. Uh, sure, there were some wants when you, when you see uh, families with more money or, or stuff like that, and I always had a desire for more, but I never really went without food or, or shelter, and I had a, a loving uh, mother and father, so I was very blessed that way. And um, I always was installed with a, a good work ethic. And even from the time I was uh, 10 years old, always cutting lawns and, and uh, for 10 bucks here or, or 12 bucks there and mowing lawns. And I um, really had a desire to collect baseball cards at the time. It was very popular in the United States. And rather than just collect the baseball cards, I would put on shows for vendors to come and sell their baseball cards because I could never do anything uh, in my life, just a, a little bit. Any any endeavor that I ever get into, I have to go full tilt. That's just uh, the way I'm wired. So fast forward a little bit to the to the age of 17, and I was um, working at a car wash, and I would make tips. And my friend at school lunch said, "Hey, I'm making way more tips than you. I'm delivering pizzas." And I said, "Well, I've got to give this delivering pizzas thing a whirl." So when I started delivering pizzas, I just fell in love with the pizza industry altogether, the, the teamwork of it. Um, the fact that when you take a phone call and then you hurry up to make the pizza the best and fastest you can, and then it goes off to somebody else to pull it out of the oven and it gets handed off to a delivery driver to, to take the finished product. I just love the, the team atmosphere of it, always being a huge sports fan. So... A few years go by and I wrecked a few cars and uh, my car, my mother's car. Well, delivering and, pizzas. Uh, yes, delivering pizzas. And uh, I just, at that point, um, the management team said, boy, Nick, we, we, we know that you know the delivery area so well. We'd like to move you inside to be a cook and then uh, a manager because- and it makes the neighborhood a lot safer as well. Yeah, they're a lot safer, yes. So I, I moved inside to be a, um, a cook inside and um, about at 20 years old, I found out that um, my girlfriend at the time was pregnant. So um, we, we did the natural thing. We got married. 
And, um, you know, 20 years later, we're, we're still together. We have two wonderful children. Um, and at the time, I just felt like I needed, needed more. So I became um, an assistant manager and then uh, a general manager. What was the size I, of this uh, shop? Was it one of the chains, that well-known chains, or was it a standalone owned by a, you know, somebody family business? What was it like? Very good. So the first place that I worked for was called Pizza Outlet. And when I started, they had 47 locations. And in the five years I was with them, they grew to 147 locations. So 100 locations in five years. Now, as a young, young boy, you know, 17, 18 years old, I didn't get in on the expansion, but I saw that anything was possible. And then from there to become a manager, I ended up going to Papa John's. And I worked for Papa John's for about two years. And what happened when I worked at Papa John's was I was very young, 22. I had two kids at home by now and, and a new wife. And um, the supervisor would come into the store and they would say, I would hear from the other managers. There was four managers in Pittsburgh and then there was 10 in Ohio. And every month we would travel to Ohio for a meeting. And what the supervisor was telling my guys in Pittsburgh was that Nick's store was, was dirty. The ovens weren't clean. The walls were dirty. Meanwhile, I was working 80, 90 hours a week trying to learn as much as I can as a 22-year-old kid. But at these meetings that we would go to once a month with 14 people, I would see how they would talk to them. And they would say, hey, art in Ashtabula, Ohio is up 10%. Everybody clap for art. Then the next meeting would be, Joe from Medina, Ohio is up 12%. Everybody clapped for Joe. So once I realized, and they were talking about my ovens being dirty and they were going to fire me, and, and I realized that sales fixes everything. And that's when I read Guerrilla Marketing by Jay Levinson. And, I, and I, I can't say I used any one principle, but I used the concept that you had to be out there in the community. So the next meeting we went to, Nick, you're up 10%. Everybody clapped for Nick. The meeting after that, Nick's up 20%. Everybody clap for Nick. The next meeting, Nick's up 50%. Nick, tell everybody what the hell you're doing. So what I was doing was I was out in the community. I had gotten big contracts. I got contracts to sell it at football stadiums, at soccer stadiums, at, the, at school lunches, at basketball games, at the swimming pools. And I was selling tons of pizzas. So eventually that was Papa John's. And what happened was Domino's, uh, up the street came in and said, uh, you heard you're killing yes, they said, we want you to join us. And I said, look, I have all these record weeks all over my walls, all these awards. I'm not going anywhere. Well, that card, business card he gave me burned a hole in my pocket and I called him and the next five years I spent with Domino's wow. and, uh, and they had moved me across the state five hours to run a store in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. And it was um, a college store. And that's really where I cut my teeth at a store open till 4 a.m. every day. And, um, you know, eventually I like to say that um, at this time, 22, now I'm 27. I like to say that I got homesick and my wife got homesick and we moved back home. But the truth was I developed a really um, awful drug and alcohol addiction um, throughout the restaurant industry. And at 27, um, I can now say that October will be 15 years um, completely sober, no drugs, no alcohol. Because you have and, to if you're working such long hours, right? You need it, it was, something to get you. One, 
It was, and you know, I guess no excuses. Like I said, if I do anything, I've got to do it to the fullest. And drugs was no no uh, different, you know. And and um, you know, my wife said, "Look, I don't care if you're coming home with us or not. I'm I'm going home. I'm taking the kids." And drove five hours back home, and I put in my notice with my job. I um I sat there and um I had uh, a kind of a revelation in my life. Um, the next day, I was uh, just being truthful. I was on the going to the bathroom. And I realized I had no toilet paper. And I realized I said I had no job, no car, no phone, no wife, no kids, and no toilet paper. And I just hit my knees and I said, God, if you're real, save me. And from that moment on, uh, my life changed. I came home. My mother-in-law said, I know a good counselor at the church. Um, I said, well, that's great because my wife needs a counseling. <laughs> but meanwhile, it was, He's got it was me that uh, let's get you into a drug and alcohol program. And, um, you know, I really worked on change, changing my life. Right. And um, from that point at 28, I did try to get out of the pizza business. I felt like, um, you know, that was part of it, that working 90 hours a week for, for the last, uh, you know, eight, nine years at that point, that, that I wanted to try something else. So I went to a radio station and they said, uh, why would we hire you to sell radio advertising? And I told them the story how I could sell pizza to the, to the, school, to the schools and they hired me. But I just really uh, didn't like the office environment. And about after six months, I started delivering pizzas again. And I delivered for uh, one shop. And then I went back to another shop. So I had two jobs. And then um, before I know it, he opened another pizza shop. So I had three jobs delivering pizzas. And then I got a job at the uh, post office. I said, everybody was always on me to get a quote unquote real job. That's always what I heard that, uh, Nick, you don't have a real job. All you do is deliver pizzas. Even though I was clean and sober, some people didn't believe it. Some people, you know, family members, you know, a lot of, a lot of, Hey, you've got to get a real job. And, um, so I went to the post office and when I went to the post office, um, that's, I realized that that's where dreams go to die. Uh, pe people go to work there. They realize I'm going to work here the next 30 years, retire, get a pension. They, the dreams go to die. And I said, you know what? I, I want my own pizza shop. That's what I that's what I want. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. So I just started reading. And and I started to read as much as I possibly could on on anything, on uh, self-improvement, on self-finances, on negotiating. Um, and everything kept coming back to Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. The, the books I would read would mention that book. So I started to read that book and then understand those concepts and really just start to, to work them. And and envision um, me having my own success, successful pizza, pizzeria and restaurant without having it and picturing having hundreds of dollars in my pockets and picturing checks coming in the mail and just and, and feeling like I had all that. And then what happened was is while I was working the three delivery pizza jobs and the post office, the guy at the post office asked if I'd like to work at a sports arena at night counting money in the money count room. So I said, yes. So now I had five jobs, um, 90, 100 hours a week for the next three years, saving every penny I could for my own pizzeria. And what happened was eventually I was able to become a, a manager again at the pizzeria at Papa John's. I became a general manager and they I had kept you the back. Part of me? They had you back. They had me back. They knew my, my track record because I was always the guy that could drive sales. My sales always went, went up. Again, so, sales, sales overcame everything, right? Although you left them for dominoes. Always. Yeah. But sales, because you brought the sales in, they said, come back.
value. It, it, that was exactly it. So I, I raised the sales of Papa John's. I still was delivering mail at the post office. And I went to Papa John's. It, it had never been a million dollar store in 22 years. And I, and I took it to a million dollars in six months. In the first year when I took over, it was $27,000 in profits. I made $157,000 in profits my first year. I went to them and said, hey, look, pay me what close to what I make between my two jobs and I'll never leave. I'm yours for life. And uh, they said, Nick, the, the industry standard is this to pay a manager and we won't pay you anymore. And the truth is, if you ever left, we'll sell the business because they were businessmen. They had four Arby's, five franchises. They were franchisees. I see. Yes, yes. And, and uh, a bunch of different business ventures. So they were more numbers guys than, than anything else. So I um, went, started knocking on pizza shops' doors and said, uh, sell me your pizza shop. I had no money. I said, I, you know, I say very little, even with, you know, two kids and a wife and a house. I, I say very little, even though I was working many, many jobs. And I just started going to pizza shops and saying, sell me your pizza shop in, in um, the very college town university of, of Pittsburgh. And the pizza owners would say, get the heck out of here. The fifth shop I walked into said, my friend has a shop five minutes from here across the bridge. And I said, okay. And I walked in there and I said, oh no, it's a bar. You know, here I am seven, eight years sober and it's a bar. I walk in the back, full pizza kitchen, everything I needed. And all the numbers lined up because they said, look, why don't you work here for nine months, save every penny you can from working here, from running the business, give us that as a down payment and we'll finance you the rest for five years. So no money out of my pocket. So my wife came aboard, she worked the front, I worked the back for the first six months. I said, kept saying all I wanted was a pizza shop. Eight years, and we did about $5,000 a week in sales when I took over. So 5,000 times 52 weeks, so about $250,000 the first year. Eight years later, I have five pizzerias that do $10 million a year. And we have become world pizza champions three times over. And we traveled to Italy in 2019 and won the best pizza in America. And I'm also named on the world pizza champions team from around the world, one of our 35 members. And um, it was all to get on the team, to win the championships. It was all thinking that I already had it every day, meditating and practicing the law of attraction. And um, that's my story in a nutshell. Wow. Beautiful. First of all, all my credit goes and my honor and respect goes to your wife because mm -hmm. to put up with somebody with all these personal challenges and working such long hours and scraping by for so many years, you know, I respect it tremendously and I don't know her. I've seen photos of her actually, but uh, yeah. all my, all my uh, respect goes out to her really because she, she was your foundation, right? Cause she could have she given was. you a hard time. Absolutely. I think that gets lost a lot too, because um, sometimes people will say, well, she's, she was just at home with the kids or something like that. But the truth is, is like, she was the ones going to birthday parties and, and being asked, do you really have a husband? And, um, you know, raising the kids and really struggling. And, you know, she's the, we were, I was the king of $500 cars, like the absolute king. We, I probably had um, 20 different cars in those, those 15 years. Like, 
like we were the king of buying the cheap car and, and tires from the junkyard. You, ne you never know if he's going to get to from A to B, all that uncertainty. Yes. It must have been yeah, car challenging. Right. You know, like cars in the winter that um, I'd buy a, a $10 heater and, and plug it into the, the cigarette lighter to get heat because the regular heat doesn't work in the car. And just, um, you know, I mean, we struggled. There's no doubt about it. You know, we like I said, we had a supportive family. But, um, you know, they, they weren't really in the position to, to help. Um, you know, where they could help, they did. But it wasn't like, um, you know, it just wasn't like that. It was, you know, we definitely were on our own and having kids young and a family young. And then, a, um, yeah, you're absolutely right. She, she is definitely my rock and been a big part of this success. Yeah. And, and, yeah, she give knows that. Regards. Give her my regards. Yeah. Please give her my regards. I will. And, and my respect. So um, are you into cars? Not really, to be honest with you. You, you know, um, um, no, I'm really not. I, I think I'm into business. I, I like the, the business side of it. Um, I, I like trying to see how things work. I like um, the entrepreneurial. I like trying to uh, help other business owners. I really have uh, liked speaking the last few years. I've become a definitely a well-known, recognized person in the pizza industry. I've been getting uh, gave my first keynote last October. I've given a lot of different seminars. Um, I did decide in 2019 that I really needed a hobby because I felt like I was, you know, work, work, work. So I'm an avid bird lover. So I, I love um, my, my bird beaters and my bird baths and bird houses. And I, that's my side, my side gig to really relax, I guess. But um, the, the reason yeah. I said, the reason I said cars, because I was in your same position. And then I made a, I made a promise to myself that, uh, if I was ever going to get rich, I was going to have one car for every day of the week. I like that. Because just, uh, I, I sick, I'm sick of these $500 cars. So I, yeah. it was just, a, just it, I went from one extreme to another. Um, well, tell me I'm, about I'm sorry. Not to cut you off, but to go back to my wife, she yeah. loves cars. So she has uh, almost a car for every day of the week. <laughs> Good. She deserves she, it. Yes. Yeah. She deserves it. That's what everybody will say. Like, uh, she has that that car but uh what about you and i said i don't really care the cars to me but she loves yes yeah, she's a car person for sure <laughs> she saddens me because i sell my favorite one tomorrow and I'm, oh gee yeah you know i walk past it every day i say oh bye bye baby but when it's gone it's gone uh, so, right. just, <laughs> so um tell me what's what's the world pizza champion I, I didn't know this existed tell tell us a bit more yeah so so it's really um you know a lot of times what you find in these different industries there's there's a community inside the community and every year in las vegas they have an international pizza expo where from all over the world um as far away as japan korea um of course italy um we do see the middle east we we see from all over the world and they compete for four days in six different categories in pizza making um best pizzas as far as like any toppings you want to use non-traditional they have a traditional category then they have spinning contests who can throw acrobats like uh, best acrobatic routine under three minutes and uh, the world's largest pizza stretch and i have put together a team of really great pizza makers that we've gone out and competed and under our caliente pizza name we've won three world championships my chefs won a a couple for, for best pan pizza in 2016. My manager won 2017, the world's largest pizza stretch. And then 2018, my chef won again for mm -hmm. best non-traditional pizza. 
Then we got asked to be on the World Pizza Team, which is comprised of 35 pizza, pizza, uh, pizzolas from around the world that go and compete in different places. We competed in last year in London, and we competed in Naples, Italy, and then in Parma, Italy. And in Parma, my chef won the 2019, uh, named the best pizza out of all the Americans. Hmm. And um, this year we were set to travel, but of course we, we did not. So. Um, wow. I'm going to go. I'm going to go to Vegas. When is it? It's usually in um, March is when it is. Okay. I'm going to go and check it out. So all yep. these people go Pretty to Vegas much. and it's all trade. They all, it's for each other. There's not to the public. It's all about it, restaurateurs selling, sure. pizza, preparing pizzas. It's, um, you know, I, maybe the football field won't, won't translate, but, um, you know, um, uh, trying to think of how to describe it. They say, they say it's nine football fields of, uh, pizza, everything for pizza ovens, the pizza delivery bags, and then all the pizza competitions. Mm -hmm. And that's where I become a, a speaker is, is, is there. I'll, I'll have a seminar in a different room get a couple hundred people in there, tell my story or talk about marketing or talk about how we raise uh, beer sales or lunch sales and uh, stuff like that. What in your, uh, thank you, uh, in your restaurants, uh, what percentage is delivery, what percentage is dining? And can you deliver sure. alcohol? I know in, uh, in Dubai, you can't have alcohol uh, unless you're in a hotel, you're licensed in a hotel. So we definitely okay. can't deliver alcohol with our pizzas. And it's okay to discuss it. I'm just telling you, in Dubai, you don't deliver alcohol. What percentage is home delivery? What percentage is restaurant? What, what are your restaurants? Are they all takeaways or tell us? Great question. So we have 150 seats at each restaurant. Wow. We have 24, yes, 24 Amazing. beer caps, um, 24 different beers you can get from draft. And then we have 150 different bottles of, of beer to sell, to go. Wow. And, uh, and we do about 50% um, dine-in, and then about 30% delivery and 20% takeout. Incredible. So um, tell us about how you market to, so there's, I would say there's two different types of marketing here. One is to people who dine in and more people to delivery or takeout, correct? Yes, very true. You do different types of marketing. Tell me about, if you don't mind, it's no, no. secret, share with us a couple of ideas and thoughts that made you successful in-house and one for delivery. Because right now, our uh, hospitality uh, area is really, industry is really suffering. And people are really hoping that they have ideas and niches for home delivery. Right. So, so I think I, the way I can answer that is I have a, a, a theory on marketing that I like to, like to kind of always use that concept. And it's when you find something that works, I say you, you beat the horse to death. You know, if you find something that works in marketing, use it until you can't use it anymore. Yeah. So in the early days, I would take flyers and, and put them on people's doors. Um, we would do different things with, with um, different coupons and different specials and try and figure out what worked. And then when, when I, 2012, when I bought the, the restaurant, I found Facebook. And this is before anybody really was marketing on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And I, I learned Facebook inside and out how to use it for a business and I actually called Facebook and said, how, how can you use it more to yeah. market for business? Yeah. And they told me, if you gave us $1,500, we'll teach you for one month how to use it. And so this is Mark, Mark Zuckerberg came around. Yeah, right. 
so, so I, uh, I have done Facebook marketing for the last eight years. I built my Caliente page up to 25,000 real followers, not, not, um, you know, cool. fans that aren't yeah. true. And, um, we use that base, um, the best we can. And what I found lately works is video. Video is key. If you can get comfortable shooting yourself, if you, we have hired um, a video production team. We have a, a marketing team now that, that shoots video every single week. During uh, COVID, a lot of our videos were as simple as showing people how to wash their hands, um, showing people how we're doing things with masks and gloves and all the different safety precautions. Um, I hop on a lot of Facebook lives and just here, I'm going to give you a quick where we are this week, what's going on, come on into the restaurant for this special or that special. And I, I think the video has been been key. Um, now for I ask the you, before you go before you go further, you said that you were on the video. When you know, like Wendy's, there used to be Dave, didn't it? Who owned, used to own Wendy's? Yeah, was it Dave? And, uh, yeah, Dave Thomas. Yeah, do they do they associate the brand with you when you when, so, are you so a, was, are you the face of the brand? I, I am now. I, I wasn't very comfortable uh, being the face, to be honest. I was happy being behind the scenes. Okay. Um, and I really, when my chef won in 2016, um, and, I, and I recruited him. I, I knew it was a good friend of mine. When I went to my first competition in 2015, I saw how culinary-sided it was, and I said, I know a guy that could win these. And uh, he also was a fine-dining chef. And he was able to really help me throughout my whole business with getting um, procedures and, and, every, and recipes and everything in line. So it wasn't just the win, but I knew that he could win these. So I brought him on. Um, I told him from day one I wanted him to win the world championship, which most people wouldn't say. But it was, um, you, you know, like I said, it was something that I was manifesting already. And when he won, I decided I, um, that to put him on the cover of our menus and our magnets and stuff okay. like that. And then, you know, he liked the publicity and liked that, but I don't think he felt completely comfortable, which, which I guess is understandable. Yeah. And I also think he would tell me, you need to be, you know, on the, on the cover of everything. And, and I didn't really feel comfortable, but I realized that when you put a face to a brand, um, there is something about the marketing that works a little better. Emotional attachment, isn't there? Yes, that? emotional attachment, exactly. So I got comfortable. I was not comfortable at all. I actually took uh, two Dale Carnegie uh, classes for speaking. So, you know, I had not been to school since high school, you know, 20 years ago, but I took two classes on public speaking and uh, I got more comfortable. And, and that's what it was. And um, they really, they did a great job. It was a three-day course where they, film you the whole time and then they just critique the heck out of you and they try to help you and and um i liked it so much i took it a second time and i just got comfortable being on camera i hired a professional photographer so we took a ton of professional um Images. photos mm -hmm. and um you know the, the, it's all worked out great so yes i i think now people put see me as the brand and what's been important is like during covid i was able to go first day live do a Facebook live and say, Hey, these are the things we're doing. We're doing curbside pickup, call up, we'll uh, place your order. We're going to bring it right out to your car. We'll be wearing masks. We'll be wearing gloves. And I would do these videos with gloves on, with a mask on. And I would be able to, to communicate to this, this vast audience that we built that this is how we were going to do things. And um, same with like the no contact delivery. I would make a video and explain exactly how it was doing. 
And, and I think people really responded to those videos. So th that's the thing for whether it's dining, carry out, the, the video video right now for us in the States is probably the hottest thing. Oh, okay. You yeah. just have to get comfortable. I think and the, then the they, stats done, that is, uh, video is about 12 times more uh, engaging than photographs. Yes. Yes. You just have to get over the, the part of seeing yourself on camera and not being comfortable, you know, and, mm -hmm. and um, you can always, you know, I try not to shoot the Facebook lives twice, you know, very, unless I get interrupted and then I feel like I have to go back and reshoot it. Yeah. But I just try to just, just get comfortable. Real. And, get and, real. It's real. And we do shoot other team members. We have a lot of guys that just like being on camera. And, um, you know, we shoot them a lot too. And uh, we do use the editing team. So usually we'll edit out and make sure it's real smooth. Mm -hmm. um, and then for the delivery side in particular, we do a lot of direct mail. Uh, working working at the post office really showed me how to read carrier routes and understand the United States postal system. So we do a lot. And I think we were talking about this last week, that sometimes throughout your your life and your career, when you learn little things that later on in your life help you for your bigger purpose. So if I had never worked the post office, I would never understand Direct. probably better than most how direct mail really works. Mm -hmm. So uh, consistency to me is the biggest key of marketing. So we are very, very consistent in the way that we market every single week. We send out 5,000 flyers throughout the whole entire year. So I always say, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. So a little bit every day adds up to this giant thing at the end. And that's the way I approach marketing. That's one of the ways I approach my life. Um, my business is, you know, I never feel like I have to get it done all at once. I just feel like as long as I take a chunk out of it every single day, I'll end up with a great result at the end. Are you organized? That's a great question. I would say I am better organized than I used to be. Um, yes, I, I mean, I was always the kid with the, the messy desk, um, the, the messy locker, um, the messy room. And then I think I understood in business that for the things that I'm not organized in, I hire somebody to, to do my weakness. So I have a great, very organized um, my gatekeeper, my bookkeeper, she, she is like my right arm, um, you know, runs my office, the operations, all our filing. She is the most organized person I had. So I guess you could say I'm organized because I hired someone that's super organized. Okay. And then, yeah, it's, so I, I put it, I, that's a great question. I've never been asked. So I guess the way to answer that is I recognize that maybe I'm not a great organizational person. Not your strength. I hire my weaknesses. And then I do try on it. Like I, in my phone, I have a, a note section that I use religiously and I, I keep track of everything on my notes. Um, and, and I feel like I always know where I'm one of those people that even if my room look, my desk looks messy, I know where everything is. So I don't know, but um, yes. that's me in a nutshell, I guess. Amazing. Thank you for that. Because there's lots of yep. people listening to you and they're thinking, well, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm not that organized. It sounds as though like doing regular newsletters or mail shots or this, it needs a bit of discipline and right habits. So if you can't do it, work with somebody who can, you don't have to change your personality. Right. Sure. So I've, got loads, of, I've, made, I've got loads of questions to ask you. So we're going to jump to the next one. Where does the name come from? <laughs> so when I first bought the uh, Caliente, I bought it off uh, uh, two guys. One guy was from Turkey. And um, 
like I said, some of the greatest guys that I know in my life, they, they sold me my first business on a handshake. They easily, anytime through that nine months, could have come in and saw yeah. my success, taken it back, and they didn't. They are, I'm forever in debt to those guys. I, I love them dearly. And, um, you know, the reason they sold it was they had five wireless stores at the time, and they knew they needed to concentrate on them. Now they have 90 in those eight, uh, eight years. Only between the people. Yes. And um, so, so to answer the name question, I said to said to him, I said, hey, uh, Tanner, well, why, why is it Caliente? And he just laughed at me. And the next time I saw him, I said, Tanner, really, why did you name it Caliente? And he said, well, Nick, in, in Turkey, the number one strip club is called Caliente. <laughs> I wish you never asked. <laughs> So, you know, the truth is we, we always were going to change the name, right? We, my Sounds wife and like I, now. we were going to change it. And um, what happened was we got so busy in those nine months and built such a name. We had to wait nine months to change it till the deal was done. In those nine months, I had built such a success, successful starting business, we couldn't change it. So it was called Caliente Pizza and Bar. So we dropped the bar and we just added Draft House. And that's how we uh -huh. became Caliente pizza and draft house but there was no way to change caliente Amazing. so in spanish it means hot and um in turkey i guess it's a place to go See, <laughs> so, now, now i'm thinking it's quite a sexy name i don't know why but it's just like it's added a bit of sex appeal to the name so thank you for that um yep. now it's really interesting because most businesses nick and you've never had a business before you're always a manager you're an employee most businesses right get to a level where they got to go from one unit to two or three or four or five. You've done this successfully. Where did you see the change? Because most people get stuck after two, you know, uncle, uh, daddy has a store here and then uh, his son or uncle or brother opens one around the corner and then that's it. They don't, they don't expand anymore. It needs a certain type of different type of skill, doesn't it? To expand to a chain. You, you do. I, so here, so there's two different sides of it. The first side was when I, when I started it, I said three ways I'll know if I'm successful. One, buy a car in this century. Two, be able to move to a, a little bit bigger house. And number three, when at that time my kids were 12 and 10 years old and I had not saved one single penny for college or university, I said, when I can know I'm gonna be able to pay for my kids' college. Those three things. After really the first year in, in business, I knew that I was gonna be able to accomplish all three things. Yeah. So I really had to think to myself, how will I really be successful? What does that mean to me? And what it means to me is when the people who work for me, the ones that help me get to the level that I want to get to, when they can do the three things that they want to do for their family or whatever it may be, if they want to buy a new house or buy a new car, when they can do those things from the opportunity that I present to them, then I will start to feel successful. So I never really have, have needed to buy another store, but I've done it because I want to create career opportunities for the people who work for me. So, so, so that's so let's get this straight. So forward. you find someone and then look for a store, or you have a store and then you happen to find someone. How does it work? So we built a great team. I have 200 employees. Yeah. I have 35 managers. We have um, manager meetings every single Monday. We have our general managers have a meeting. Uh, the first Tuesday of every month, all 35 managers meet. Uh, the third Tuesday of every month, we, we meet um, about 15 managers, the upper upper managers. Yes. And uh, we felt the communication is really important. So 
I have people chomping at the bit to, to be part of the next door. So we always just keep expanding and keep growing. Yeah. Um, it seems as we, as we go, we just are able to attract a certain type of employee. Okay. Are you looking at expanding more? And you're not franchising, right? Because you're all owned by you. Yeah, they're, they're all by me. Um, in the beginning, I had always thought that if I had the right person who worked for me, that I would franchise to them. Um, it just has, because of the restaurant, it's it's a very different dynamic so it really is, is a lot more moving parts um i kind of feel like i'll probably just keep expanding the the restaurants myself and not really franchise them but um we actually we would have a sixth store open right now if it wasn't for covid we were actually in the middle of a deal to open a store in april one of the things i think you'll find interesting especially from a hospitality standpoint when we do these openings, I buy an existing store, somebody that had pain. Wow, interesting. Yes, a, a divorce or um, somebody that just needs to get out. They bought, they were a banker, they bought a restaurant because they thought it'd be easy and they just want to get the heck out of there. So we buy these existing restaurants. My wife has a very keen eye for design. So within five days, we take over stores on Monday. We totally gut paint new equipment and reopen them four days, five days later on that Friday. I like the show Bar Rescue in the States with John Taffer. We're the real thing. Wow. We, we do it in four to five days. We flip a whole entire restaurant. We have 25 to 35 people, contractors who are working, plumbers, electricians, everybody to get these restaurants open. So we try to really- Your guidelines are all the same. So when, you, when I walk to any of your stores, they're identical, of course, apart from size. So mm -hmm. apart from- so the, the motif, the, the design, they're all black walls with beer signs um, and then some pizza signs mixed in. Uh, bars, all the bar shapes and stuff are a little bit different. Like we work with the space that we're given. Some stores have a patio. Some stores have a banquet room. Um, some, one store has a speakeasy, like a bar in the basement. Yeah, wow. And we just go with the space. But the, the all the menus are the same. And then all the... Um, all the, the design color schemes are all the same. Do you find, thank you for that. Um, by the way, I'm coming to the US, New York in November. I would love to pop over and have a pizza with you. Absolutely. I would it's love done. Uh, I would love yes. Thank you. I'll get you the dates and then we'll organize to meet. Now, every time I think of Pittsburgh, I think of Pittsburgh Steelers and then I think of snow and cold and it's cold there, right? You know, it, it's weird. Like when I was a kid, it was, it seemed like it was always cold in the winter. Um, you know, so we have seasons. We, we have, uh, we have winter from maybe um, December, January, February. Uh, spring is March, April, May, which is uh, 60, 70 degrees, a little bit rainy. And then right now we're into like 85, 90 degrees mm. summertime. And then this will go on to about September and then all our leaves change. It's very green here. A lot of trees, uh, yeah. kind of very hilly. I think for people um, who visit Pittsburgh for the first time are surprised that it's um, has a lot of peaks and valleys. It's not really mountains, but it's um, the roads are not flat at all. A lot of hills. Uh, yeah. Amazing. Are pizza sales weather dependent? Sometimes they're, um, do you sell better pizzas when it's cold? Yeah, we always sell, we always do well, but you can definitely have a spike when it rains. You can have a spike when, when it snows. Um, 
holidays are always great for pizza. You know what I love about pizza is that people can celebrate with pizza, especially, you know, here in the States. If, if somebody has a birthday party, pizza, if somebody graduates from high school, pizza, like, you know, such a, such no, it's, the, it's the only food in the English dictionary. That's Did you know it. That? Did you know that? I didn't. Ah, it's the only food that is, has its own name in the English dictionary. That's interesting. Isn't it? And, and that means that it's just, it's a very commun, communal uh, food that, you know, you could share and, and um, you, could, you could share a slice of pizza. And I think it's just a, I, like I said, I just fell in love with it. And, and it's really been very good to me, for sure. Amazing. Well, because you've got a passion and love for it. Now, I went to Rome, Naples and Rome, and um, the pizzas were crap. I hated, I hated it. I hated it. like where where did pizzas change? You know why? I think our ours is far more delicious and tasty than Italian pizzas, right? So when you go to the when we go to Italy, do they do they love your pizza or do they think no? Oh, they definitely think they're the best. Oh, do they? It's, right. It's okay. Competition in Italy as an American, very very hard. Um, yeah, it's very tough. And their pizza is very different. You know, they, they, a lot of the wood-fired, a very wet pizza, and then yeah. in Rome, it's the Thin, really long, long pizza. Mm. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I really have come to appreciate all pizza, I guess, for what it is. Um, that, that's kind of the way that, that, that I've come to appreciate it. But it's, it's definitely different. Like, it's not like the pizza in the States, I'm sure. I would imagine your pizza is probably more like the pizza in the States. Um, it is. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Um, may I ask, one of this, I, I'm so, actually, you know, one of my goals in my life has always been to have a pizza, pizzeria. I started having one, I, I, I started a pizza shop in Thailand last, earlier this year, actually, and our Thai partner ran off with my money. So unfortunately, oh. we never got going. But pizza is something that I love doing. I would love to have a, a restaurant or a chain of pizzerias, because to me, it's beautiful. It's high margin, high margin, yeah. and you can be very creative with it. Now, one, one of the successes of McDonald's was that the menu was very simple. How, you, how have you designed and managed your menu? Do you, do you, is there loads of different bases and toppings? And so, or have you tried to keep it simple towards the, like the McDonald's thing, or do you go for the more of a bigger menu option? Well, I think to the eye, if you saw our menu, you would say, wow, that's a big menu. But to your point, if you went in the back and saw the ingredients, you'd realize that it's not a very big menu. That if we use an ingredient like, say, spinach, we'll use spinach on a hoagie, we'll use spinach in a calzone, we'll use spinach in a, in a pizza. So we're able to use that, that ingredient a lot of different ways. We have very few ingredients that we only use once. We try to use a lot of different ingredients and different things. But... What we've done different than some pizzerias is we have different styles. So if you came in with, with a large group and you ordered um, a couple different, a few pizzas, you'd almost feel like you were ordering at a different, each pizza tasted like a different pizza shop. Because we have, of course, your New York style, really thin, very big, with the pepperonis that curl mm. up. And um, so we, we have that style. Then we have a traditional style. And then we have a pan style that's really crispy on the bottom. And then we have one that we call grandma style, which is um, just a, like when grandma would have some dough left over, she just would throw it in a pan, push it down, throw a wet tea cloth over it, and then 
three hours later, throw some toppings on it. And uh, we also have one from Detroit. It's a Detroit-style pizza, which is in these blue steel pans that they say back in the 50s and 60s, the husbands that were working in the the, mo yeah. the Ford Motor Plant would okay. bring home these steel pans, steel pans for, the, for the women, and they would make pizzas in these pans. So the, the cheese melts all the way around the pizza, yeah. and it's a very distinct. Um, flavor. So we have five different styles of pizza. Now from there we have um, three different sauces, uh, red sauces, marinara's that we use on our pizzas that, for the different styles. Then we have a white garlic sauce that we use on some of the pizzas. And then we have two different cheese blends that we use and two different pepperonis. But that's like the, the basis of all the other toppings, you know, we are able to, to use them. And then we sell uh, wings is, is a very chicken wings are very big here we we have um a lot of different flavors of chicken wings we have burgers and we have um like sandwiches amazing and most of your traffic comes in the evenings or during the day or throughout so depends where the stores are positioned we're open uh every day from 11 in the morning till 11 at night and then on the weekends till one and two o'clock at night um some of the stores get a very nice lunch dine-in all the stores get a nice delivery lunch yes amazing incredible so um do you measure you have a good accountant because with, when it comes to food it's very important the consistency of profitability and margins cost of food wastage how do you manage all that because yours must be in the millions so I, i'll tell you a quick story that I, I think is um is funny and i enjoy it so my accountant is from india Oh, and, uh, <laughs> our account, we have two Indian accountants. That's it. Okay. Forget it. You answered my question. Okay. And no, I'm, I'm just joking. Gonna... I'm just joking. Well, the story he told me was this. I, I met him at the very beginning and he said, um, Nick, in my country, one child from every family becomes an accountant. In my family, all my brothers and sisters are accountants. <laughs> and I said, okay, I'm, I'm yours. And uh, yes, yeah, so he's very, very good. And that's, um, that's how we do a lot of the accounting. We use a um, computer system, um, a POS system that, that has counts everything, um, inputs, inputs, outtakes, everything. So the computer system is very, very important. We have built menu guides on how to make absolutely everything. So we have charts to say, hey, this pizza gets 48 pepperonis. It gets seven ounces of cheese, three ounces of sauce. Wow. And uh, we have broken down so we know exactly what every single thing that on our menu what it costs before it goes out the door are you, are you the person behind keep polishing these and putting systems or is it teamwork now yeah so who's who's constantly pushing and polishing and sharpening your you know tools i would say i'm the idea man i'm always the one that says can we do this? not can we do this how are we going to do this that's always a question i'm asking my team how can we do this you know, how can we make this better? How can we implement the system? How can we do this? And in that first meeting that I was telling you that we have with 35 managers, that's always a, hey, this is what we're doing this month. This is what we did last month. This is what we're going to do better. Now, the second meeting that we have with the 17 people, the upper management is, here's how do we do this? You know, let's break into teams. Four people work on this. Five people work on this. Here, here's your job for the next month. How can we work on creating um, menu guides? How can we create wall charts? How can we create a handbook to be able to say, this is the way you dress at Caliente. This is 
the employee um, meal policy. Like wow. we didn't have any of that when we first opened. So we've really designed all that as we, mm-hmm. we move forward. Sometimes it was after a problem, after something happened, we said, let's fix it. And then sometimes it was, we knew it would become a problem if we didn't create a policy or a procedure. So we've become very, um, very established in the way that we, we have procedures, policies, and manuals in place. So with scale, you haven't lost your passion? I haven't. I, I always say if there's a day I wake up and, and I'm ready to, to be done, then I think um, I'll go ahead and that'll be it. And, um, you know, it's, I think the hardest part for me lately has just been, for us, this, this COVID has been really, really rough on us. And then, um, you know, we've had a lot of, a lot of social injustice in the States. It's been really, you know, it, it dominates the news. And it's just been, I think it's hard on all Americans right now, to be honest with you. It's, it's hard to live here and not have, um, be you affected know, by it all. Oh, it's been tough. It, these last six months, 2020 has been really, really trying for the Americans. There's no doubt about it. It's been um, no time in history in our generation have we seen anything like this where, where everybody feels some uh, burden or pain or, or some emotional um, distress. I feel there's lots of, in the marketplace, there's lots of emotions whereby it's anger, it's frustration. Uh, I don't like being told to wear masks. I don't like being told that I can't fly. You know, it's just like, it feels also that our freedom's been taken away. It's challenging times, but you know, Nick, congratulations. If you're profiting, breaking even through these tough times where 80, 90% of businesses can't pay salaries or after six weeks, they're going bust, you know, all congratulations to you. I think you'll be in a better place. And I think um, in next month, there'll be more and more businesses opening. Well, there will. And, you know, I think what, what really happened for me was when this really started, like for us in the States, it was March 15th is when we got hit with it. And I said right then to myself, I will not fail. You know, I worked too hard to have this destroy everything. You know, and I just um, went back to the basics and I just dug in and I was, every hour like um like a, a war general trying to combat this and and i was right there making new new um marketing materials and and new messages and all the videos i was talking about i mean i was just every day for those first three weeks we were just really all over it i mean i was um my wife said you know are you gonna stop working i said no this is this is like do or die time right now for the no, company and, to our listeners some of them may be listening to you going well it's okay he's rich but here's the thing, you have 200 staff. If this happened 10 years ago, when you were working by yourself, you only have yourself to cover, right? But your problems are 200 times bigger. True? And, and that, well, 100%, I mean, that was somebody, you know, you always have somebody that will try and guess you or as you become successful, they try to tear you down or, or try to make you feel like you, you, oh, you are rich, so you only do it for yourself or it's your greed. But, you know, I had to say it you know, in there, like, Hey, this isn't about me. You know, if, if everything failed, like I have enough, um, I haven't put all my eggs in one basket. You know, I, I do own a bunch of real estate and a bunch of different other business ventures that I would be okay, but it wasn't about me. I said, I'm fighting this hard for the, the 200 employees. Like I had shut off the cable bills at all the stores because we didn't need cable because we don't, we're not doing that. They shut in all our bar and dining is completely closed. We could only do carry out and pick up. Even now, so, even now. No, now we, last social week. Social distancing, we you got social distancing, right? Yeah, for sure. Last week we went back to 50% capacity inside. But 
when it was completely closed down, I shut down the cable. And some of the things I was hearing from some people were, oh, you had to shut down the cable. Like, oh, like you really need that extra money. And, and I said, look, it's not about me. It's about the 200 people that work for us. You know, if I shut the cable down for two months, I can say to everybody who works for me, come in and get a free meal because I, I saved that money. I can transfer the money and say, hey, and I did. I did it a few times. I said, everybody who works for me gets a $50 meal. Come and eat whatever you want. Bring it home for your family. Like, be able to – but those were the little things I was doing was shutting off the cable, shutting off other things that we weren't using for those few months. And and it wasn't about me trying to, to make money or, or get rich off it. It was it was protecting those 200 jobs. They're very, very important to me. It, it really was. Absolutely. Amazing. Here's the thing. Um, as you grow bigger – um, I have I have half a million followers, and the haters, the numbers of haters increase. And they, do. they don't even they, they judge. They don't even know you. And I tell my team, don't react, because as the numbers grow, the numbers of haters will increase. And it's nothing to do with us. It's to do with them. It's the, they, the way they see the world. They see they see you smiling, Nick, and they think your life's easy. They don't realize how hard it is for you, and how hard it's been, and what risks you're taking and taking to get to where you are? They really don't. I think it's hard because you're human, you know? So, so you try not to let things bother you. And then, you know, sometimes they do. And, and um, you know, and part of success is being able to enjoy things, you know, like, like you mentioned about the cars or whatever it may be, um, you know, on top of the, the birdhouse that I told you about, I have a wonderful home up north that I have all the birdhouses at, you know, so I have a, a second home. And as people see you buy these things, it's, it's, um, they don't realize the struggles you went through to get there. You, exactly. you know, my wife and I always say, you know, you, you live like nobody else today so you can live like nobody else tomorrow. And, and that's, you know, we're finally at tomorrow for us. We, we worked so hard for so many years and all those hours. And like you said, from the very first sentence that, you know, my wife made so many sacrifices herself. So, you know, if she wants to pick out her dream car and drive it, so She's be it. it. Right. Absolutely. And the funny thing is when you have it, because you worked for it, you appreciate it more. You never you take do. it for granted. Yeah, you, you really don't. You don't. I don't take anything for granted. I think the, the challenge for me has been, you know, my kids are, are 20 and, and 18. And I try to, to make sure that they, that they understand it, you know, and, and I think, um, it's, it's nice because they've seen it both ways. You know, they saw us without money. They, they realized that there were times when they'd ask for lunch money. And I'd tell them, uh, tell the teacher it's going to be tomorrow. You know, and, and it would be four days I would send them without lunch money till I could finally give them some payday and give them some money for lunch money. And then they, they see the other side of it where we're able to think, where do you want a vacation this year? Pick on the map. We're going. So, so they've been able to see both sides of it. And I think they appreciate that. And, and um, you know, what I try to instill in them is it doesn't matter what you do, just do your best and you can absolutely do anything. And I always tell them, don't let anybody tell you that you can't do anything. Even me, if I would be the one that tells you you can't do it, don't listen to, listen me. to you, me. You can do whatever you want to do. Give it your best shot, whatever. It Give is. It as long as you got the right values, as long as you didn't, you're not it. harming anyone, you're not taking advantage of anybody. Uh, are they entrepreneurs? So, <laughs> they they both I think they're both still trying to get their feet wet my my daughter boy and girl yes boy my girl is uh, at the university she just completed her first year she, she's going for business 
And my son really has a passion with the culinary. So he's going to go to, to uh, culinary school. He's worked in the restaurant since he was 10 years old. So I think they both have, um, they both see that I said, look, doesn't matter what you, another part of doesn't matter what you do, just do it for yourself. Yes. You know, it's so important and important for your listeners that uh, it doesn't matter. Your past doesn't determine your future. doesn't matter where you start. You can start today. Um, don't let anyone tell you you can't start today because you can. If you're listening to a program like this, you're in the right place already. Even if you feel like you're not, you are. You're, you're, you're here. You're, you're better than most people who aren't listening to something like this. Like you're in the right spot. And that's just what I try to tell my kids that, you know, just wherever you're ready to start, just start and um, get going. Amazing. They, they, you know what? They don't realize, or maybe I hope that they do, but they are blessed. Because I never had any business education. Yeah. I had love I, in my family, but I never had business education. You know what's interesting is our kitchen table becomes the, the classroom of, of a business university. You know, we'll sit there and we talk business every night. It, it, it just, it's our life. So we'll talk about the shops and what's going on and how can we buy the next store? And if we, um, you know, how can we buy another piece of real estate and how we could finance it and where we can move money from. And these are normal conversations at our house and they're sitting there, you know, whether they realize it or not, they're, they're getting a, a degree in, in, in business. I think you're right. And I think they, I think they do realize that, you know, and I think, um, It'll be interesting where they decide to go. I think they're 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 both passionate passionate individuals, and and they realize it. Um, they have not yet done anything themselves, but like as far as you know, a different different business or anything. But I think they're still just being sponges and, and letting it all um, soak up. But you know, they're they're still young, but I think they're they're in the right spot. And I always say too, you know, with my past with the drugs and addiction, I said, look, we don't have many rules in this house, but you know, if, if you get into drugs or alcohol, that, that ruins everything, you know? And I think they saw what I went through. And, they remember. Um, yeah, they remember. And I think that's the important part. Cause I believe that too. Part of me, when, when you get into the, that kind of lifestyle, it's just very destructive. And that, that can, it's, um, you know, drugs destroy, destroy dreams. It's that simple. Amazing. Amazing. Um, you didn't stop there, did you? You, you, you've written, I have. I uh, all about it. Sure. Thank you. I, I really felt like I wanted to write a book. I've always wanted to write a book. Um, so I wrote the business or the, the pizza equation, which is um, available on Amazon. And it's my story and it's how to, how to open, how to run a successful pizza enterprise. Mm -hmm. um, I wrote it in February of 19. I've had great success with it. Um, I had a, a signing um, in December with, with over 1500 copies I signed, um, I've, I've sold a great number of books. I was really surprised by it. Um, writing it definitely for anybody out there that's ever thought about writing a book, do it because it's way more powerful than having a business card and it positions yourself in your industry as a leader. And if you haven't wrote one, you have to, because it opens up opportunities that you didn't even know were possible. I would have never been a keynote speaker without, without the book. And one of the smart things I did was I sent out a ton of free copies to, to anybody in the industry. I, I wrote in there a nice note to them and I sent free copies to, to hundreds of people in our industry and also the, the big trade magazines in our industry. And after I shipped a box of uh, books over to one of our, big trade in trade magazines in the states 
they called me and said, would you like to give this keynote speech? So it was, um, you know, the book has been a great opportunity. And I, I really, I mean that if anyone has ever thought about writing one, it, it positions yourself as an industry leader by yeah. having a book separate. Okay, absolutely. You. I've been sitting on mine for four years. I've written about seven, oh no, 11 chapters. But I'm, 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 do you know, because it's my, my book is like a biography. Um, okay. It's like very hard to share and put it on paper. Um, maybe writing some like a manual or something would be a lot easier. So that's where my challenge has been. But you're 100% right. How long did it take you to write your book? And is it, is it your life history? Lessons it, you learned. It's a little, it's my work history. Um, so like my addiction part is not in there, but my, how I worked all those hours and everything is in there. Um, let, you know, and I don't know if this is the case or not, but I can tell you where my book, went from chapters in my computer to a reality. You, you have to get an editor. And whatever you have done already, send to your editor. Let them read it. Let some, get it out of your computer and onto someone else's. Let them read it because you'll be surprised when they read it. Um, my editor was so great. She read it. She said, Nick, you have a book. And I didn't think I had a book. She said, yeah. you do. She said, There's more work. She said, but you have a book. And she gave me a list of all these things. She organized it for me. We're talking about organization. She, yeah. she organized it. This is what I need back from you. And gave me all these different little parts. And I sat down and I wrote more. And I gave her back and I clarified some things that were un yeah. unclarified. And um, that's what I would suggest. If you haven't had somebody else read it in an editor, that's the next step. Don't, don't worry about writing chapter 12. Take, take chapter one through 11 and send it off to an editor and let them read it and then let yeah. them tell you how to finish it. You'll be surprised of yeah. what the process will be. I chose the wrong editor. I sent it to this editor that I paid a lot of money for. And then they came back with a totally wrong percept, uh, understanding of where I want to go with it. And it just froze me. It sidetracked me yeah. completely. So I fired them and I got new editors and I've started again. So next week I'll go to Europe for two months. Just going to get hire a car and drive around Europe, sit in different coffee shops and pizzerias and just finish off the book. It's my goal to finish it off by end of August. Uh, That's great. Be proud of it. Well, thank you, thank you. Nick, uh, it's been an hour. <laughs> That's a quick hour. I, I just really enjoy talking to you, I really do. I, I feel like sometimes in life you meet people that just are just placed in your life for a purpose and um, Darush, you have really been one of those people. I enjoy the conversations we've had, I really do. I love you, man. I really do. I know 10,000 kilometers between us, but uh, we're going to meet in November, bro. I'm going to come to your uh, pizzeria. I have no, watch this, no alcohol, just pizza. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> God bless you. Yes, right back at you. Thank, Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Bye.